And now your host, John Bush. We happen to be joined by Antonio Beeler. Thanks for coming by. We've got a lot to cover today. We're going to be chatting about the verdict in the Byron Carter civil trial. Of course, Byron Carter was the young 21-year-old, 20-year-old black man that was shot and killed by awesome police department uh, officer Wagner. He was also there with Officer Rodriguez. They were killed about a year ago, totally unarmed, not suspected of any crime. They saw two unarmed, two armed men who were unannounced approaching their vehicle, drove off, and uh, the officers fired and, and injured the driver and killed Byron Carter. Civil trial took place. We'll cover the verdict here in a second uh, whenever we do the Peaceful Streets podcast. We'll also be talking about uh, Rosemary Lemberg, district attorney, who's in a lot of trouble. Turns out maybe she was in a hit and run in addition to her DWI. And who knows what all sorts of other felonies she engaged in. There was some sort of backdoor dealing that maybe it'll never come to light, but we suspect something fishy about that. We're going to be joined by our good friend Caleb Leverett as well. He had a personal family ordeal that ended up very favorably for justice in my opinion and there were some cops that ended up getting involved and boy did these cops handle themselves in a very respectful manner and it's my opinion that they helped the situation rather than hurting it not to say that the situation couldn't have carried out fine and peacefully without the police officers it was the mother that called the police officers that ended up backfiring her face so there's a good lesson don't call the cops because it won't always go the way you want it but uh, we want to chat about arbitrary justice when dealing with family situations um arbitrary authority and then also how these cops handle themselves and how Caleb and his son handle themselves too because I think they ended up coming off as the calm ones in control and the mother just really lost it and and I think that has a lot to do with why uh, the officers seemingly sided with with Caleb and his son Uh, just the backstory is a 14 year old son who is, is under custody of the mother Caleb brings the son and the other four children, or the other three children, back to the to the mom's house. The son, who's 14, decides he doesn't want to stay with the mom for reasons we'll discuss later. The mom decides to call the police to deal with the situation rather than dealing with herself, and the police end up siding with the son, uh, and they're respectful, respectful of Caleb's recording. It's just an all-around positive situation that ended up happening. We're really proud for Caleb and his family. We're, we're going to chat briefly about that. But, uh, Beeler, if you have that quote, so the Austin... Police Chiefs Associ- Police Officers Associations led by Wayne Vincent, and apparently he had something to say about the Peaceful Streets Project. What did he say in the wake of the Byron Carter uh, trial? Well, because we said that we were going to increase patrols downtown, he said, I think it's seriously time we look at filing charges. This is harassment at the highest level, and nobody should have to tolerate that. <laughs> wow, but it's not harassment when officers kill unarmed young men who are doing nothing wrong. Thanks for tuning in. We're joined by Antonio Beeler, one of the lead organizers over at the Peaceful Streets Project. Antonio, how you doing? Good, thanks. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to chat about the Byron Carter civil trial, which is just business as usual here in Austin, unfortunately. We're also going to chat about Rosemary Lemberg, our uh, luscious DA who... Uh, can't seem to not get wasted off of vodka and drive around and then try to exercise her authority like she's above everyone else and above the law. Uh, And we're going to chat with Caleb Leverett here coming up soon about a recent incident that he had where his mother, his ex-wife, his son's mother, involved the police over uh, just simple family matters. Well, it's not simple. It actually seems really complicated. We'll chat with him 
about the story. The police came out and they actually did a really good job of, of keeping the peace and, and de-escalating the situation and doing the right thing, in my opinion. I was very proud to see that and very proud of Caleb and his son for keeping their cool and doing the right thing. And uh, maybe let's mix in a couple of police abuse stories, like the woman who was assaulted, sexually assaulted by a police officer and then arrested for complaining about it. Welcome to America, the land of the free and the home of the punk coward cops, as Beeler would say. All right, Beeler, why don't we we'll let you break down uh, the Byron Carter situation first? Uh, for those listening out of town, tell us what happened with with Byron Carter, uh, how he lost his life. And then just give us the news on what the verdict was. You were there at the trial for the final day. What's up with Byron Carter and the civil trial? Yeah, two years ago, 2011, May, uh, Byron Carter was walking with a friend near downtown Austin. They were going back to their car to go home. They were suspected of doing no crime, committing no crime, and they were not in the act of committing a crime. But two police officers, uh, Nathan Wagner and a guy named Rodriguez, decided that they were going to follow these two. They jumped out of the shadows at them when they were in their car, getting ready to leave. Uh, the kids tried to leave, and then the cop, Nathan Wagner, shot into the car five times, hitting Byron Carter, Carter several times, including once in the back of the head, killing him. Um, the uh, Austin Police Department immediately defended the actions of the cops. They said that the cops were scared. The cops had a right to kill him because they were scared. And uh, after getting nowhere... Uh, through complaints and through the criminal process, the family, their last-ditch effort to get justice, they filed a civil suit, and that was in federal court here in Austin. And uh, yesterday, after about four to five hours of, of jury deliber deliberation, they came back and they found that Nathan Wagner, the cop, was not liable for anything, uh, for, for basically murdering Byron Carter, and, and that's primarily because the standard is quite high for a civil case. It has You have to show intent, and what these guys do is they just claim negligence. Um, but it's funny because they never get fired <laughs> or suspended for their negligent behavior that destroys lives. Yeah, there is no, no discipline whatsoever. Um I mean, it seems like even, even – let's go ahead and say that it's a given that they were in fear of their lives and they could have been killed by the car charging at them, which seems to be a bunch of BS anyway. Because what was the worst that came out of it? Like he hurt his ankle or something? He hurt his ankle. No bruises, no scratches, no broken bones. I mean – were they? Was either one of the officers hit by the car or uh, did they well, hurt they, themselves? They claimed that he was hit by the car. However, there was a video in which Rodriguez immediately after uh, the incident said that the car almost hit him. So, mm -hmm. but uh, somehow that became the car hit me, and I had to go to ho the hospital because of it. So even if, if if let's say that they did fear for their lives, like shouldn't they be disciplined for walking up on these two young men unannounced? Like people are are worried for their lives when you see two big armed men in dark clothes approaching. Who knows if that's a gang member or just an average criminal? It's a public criminal. Who knows if it's a private criminal that's coming up on you? So there was no disciplinary questions about the way that the situation played out. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. And basically, when the Austin Police Department kills someone or shoots at someone, there's not going to be any discipline because what they're going to do is they're going to go to uber defense mode and they're going to try to justify everything that happened. And they don't care how much they have to trample on the grave of a dead victim to do it. Mm. 
And then they just get caught in that situation, like, all right, we got to stand up for our guy, no matter the cost. All these lies come up. There's cover-ups, like we saw, especially with the Nathaniel Sanders trial. What about the controversy with the Citizens Review Panel? Didn't they just finish a review recently, uh, like couple a year later or two years later, uh, showing uh, that he maybe was in the wrong and should have been fired? What was that all about? Yeah, the Civilian Review Panel, they did do their investigation, and they said that um, it was excessive force that the uh, cop acted negligently, um, that he engaged in racial profiling. I mean, it was a pretty damning report, uh, and it got leaked. It was so bad that someone decided to leak it because Art Acevedo wouldn't even punish these guys for a half day, wouldn't give them a half-day suspension. And uh, unfortunately, that was not admissible in court, and I think that would have been really big if, if the jury could have seen that. Wow. And so... Yeah, nothing comes out of it. No disciplinary actions. As we covered in the Liberty Beat, the grandmother of Byron Carter came out saying, I have no faith in the system. Uh, she said, uh, young black men in this city need to be afraid when police officers come around because they don't care about you. Or maybe that was Byron's mother that said that. Um, but it's just more revealing of how the system isn't designed to help those who are victims of police abuse. Rather, it's designed to maintain the status quo, which is... A, a certain class of individuals have the supposed legitimacy on the use of force, the initiation of aggression, and whenever they do something wrong, the entire system comes and rallies behind them, including the the media, the mainstream media outlets here are, are quick to side with whatever comes out of Police Chief Art Acevedo's mouth. So this type of news story only further serves to uh, add credence to the work that we're doing with the Peaceful Streets Project in delegitimizing the system and the state and encouraging people to take responsibility for the provision of defense and justice into their own hands, whether it takes the form of neighborhood watches, whether it takes the form of everyone questioning the police, everyone filming the police, or what I'd like to see, it takes the form of people uniting and forming their own defense associations, uh, whether it's a militia, whether it's a paid service, or whether it's everyone organizing the community, arming themselves, the shotguns, and, and letting the world know that they intend to protect themselves from criminals, public and private alike. I think we're a ways off of that, but before we can get to that point where something like that doesn't just get broken up by the cops themselves, we need to delegitimize the police and the minds of the masses. Do you think this story will help to do that, to, to show people that the system is a failure and that we shouldn't rely on it? Or do you think we'll just continue on with business as usual? Well, I hope that this helps wake people up. And I think that's part of our responsibility is to use this case to help educate people. Um, what people don't realize is that these people were really patient. Their kid was killed. They went through the process. They filed complaints. They waited for the criminal process to play out. Um, and then as a last-ditch effort, they filed a civil suit, and now that they lost, they're going to be hit with um, charges. They're going to be hit with like a $10,000 mm. charge uh, to cover the court costs. So they've just been victimized time and time again. They tried to use the system, and the system just laughs at them, and it just keeps hitting them uh, mm. over the head. All right, we're coming up on a break. On the other side, we're going to chat uh, for 10 minutes with Caleb Leverett, discuss what went down uh, with his family situation and, and how the police officers uh, responded, which I think was rather nobly. But uh, there's no surprises here with this particular civil suit. Uh, unfortunately, the jury pool in Austin is just a bunch of bootlickers, but we're doing what we can to lift that veil of legitimacy. Stick with us. Why did you move? Rise up! 
my calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... Rise up, With John Bush. Welcome back to the show. John Bush, Antonio Beeler, bringing you the Peaceful Streets podcast. More info at PeacefulStreets.com with the mission of encouraging people to stand up for their rights, stand up for the rights of their communities, and protect and serve each other, making the Monopoly police irrelevant. We're engaged in direct action, and we're encouraging people to do what's right, to take care of themselves, not to rely on police. And we want to chat with our good friend Caleb Leverett here, Leverett, uh, briefly about a situation that he had with his family in which his ex-wife, who has custody of the children, uh, felt like it would be the the best thing that she could do rather than dealing with a difficult situation herself would be to call the police. And thankfully, the police ended up doing the right thing, and I think it blowed up, blew up in her face. And we just want to chat with Caleb about this story and, and talk about how there's there's arbitrary rules that are set out by men in robes, and these rules try to inflict upon the natural order and what families and children actually desire. And here we have an instance of an ex-wife who thought that she could... She could stand by that law, and she could bring in the men with guns to enforce that law, even though they don't understand what's going on. But it ended up happening the right way, and these police officers actually were respectful, and I think they actually helped de-escalate the situation, and I think it's an all-around good situation. So we're joined by Caleb to to tell us about that story. Caleb, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, John. Excellent, excellent. So you uh, posted a video. It's like an hour and 20 minutes long about an incident uh, involving your son, not wanting to go back with his mom, saying he's afraid to go back. I want to stay with my dad. Let's try this out. The mom says, you're you're too young to make a decision like that. And she tries to appeal to this court order, tries to call in the cops to use force in order to solve the problem. The cops don't use force. They use reason. And they end up siding with you and your son. Just give us a little bit of background and, and tell us what happened in the video. Well, he we've... My son Parker, he, he's he's always been wanting to live with me ever since his mom and I uh, separated back in 2007, and it's just been going on and on. And we just finally decided uh, I, I can't afford. I, I've been down that road of going through the court system, and it broke me one time. Uh, being sued for full custody back in 2009, I believe, uh, which ultimately. Nothing really changed except the lawyers got a little more wealthy, and the, as mm-hmm. did the courts. But we just decided to try something different. I, he was he was desperate to come live with me, and I didn't know what else to do. And I read the orders as they stated. It simply states that on the second or the fourth uh, week Sunday, I'm to drop him off at his mom's at two o'clock, and that's what I did. He simply refused to get out. And being a volunteerist, I'm not going to force my son to do anything against his will and so i just pulled out the camera to keep everybody honest and i will note this and it's in the description of the video that was on may the 26th i believe and i didn't post the video then uh actually i did but it was on lock uh, i didn't it was not public and i had no i even posted on facebook that i hope it didn't have to go public but uh, due to the actions of uh, Parker's stepdad, Jason May, uh, trespassing uh, twice that he admitted to after Parker and I confronted him on my land. They wow. put some boxes out on my land saying, we miss you the last day of school. And then we got back, there was another box there that said, we still miss you. 
and his he worked right around the corner, and I simply confronted him and said, you dropped this. He said, no, I put it on purpose, and I just did not appreciate um, the harassment and the trespassing on my land because I live at my shop. I live in an apartment at my shop, and it's I just didn't appreciate it. So mm-hmm. I decided to release the video on uh, see, it was last Thursday, I believe, and uh, it's it's literally doubling in view count uh, every single every 24 hours. It's up to last time I checked around 50,000 views and wow. 98.5% positive reaction. Wow. Um, yeah, and and so it's a difficult family situation. Uh, you guys have been forced into the courts to deal with it. There was a court order. You were totally in compliance with the court order. Rather than sort it out like mature adults would, your your ex-wife decides to call the police. Tell us what happens when the police show up and what was going through your mind. After about 50, 50 or 55 minutes in the videos, whenever the police showed up, it was Officer Brandon Spinks and Officer Rocha. And Spinks, uh, Officer Spinks showed up first. He uh, talked to my ex-wife and then came and talked to me, and I'm filming the whole time. And then talked to my son, and he just pleaded not to be forced to go in there. And after some a little bit of a confrontation, uh, Parker, my son, held his ground still, adamantly. And I, in my opinion, he was very respectful mm-hmm. as he could be, getting 14. He is respectful to the officers. He is respectful, in my opinion, to his uh, mom and stepdad. Uh, again, given the given the circumstances, he's under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. I will say this too: uh, it's my opinion that officers Rocha and uh, Spinks were were just top notch. They were. If, if everybody knows what you know, I've got pretty much the same opinion of the um, entities having monopoly on the use of force, given the police force. But it, you know, even a clock is trying to work is right twice a day. Yeah. I think they just did an outstanding job. Yeah, for sure. I uh, agree. I agree. They, that's something they were, I want to talk about. They were totally professional and, and de-escalated the situation rather than escalating as they usually do. Well, the point of filming it is we. I feel like we were backed into a corner. He didn't want to go back, and I had. I was being forced to put him in right in the front yard. And I basically came, it came down to, I'm just going to do what I have to do, what I'm ordered to do, and then pull out the camera, and the camera will prove who's going to be violent. Mm-hmm. If he, re- as long as he refuses to get out, you know, I guess one of two or three situations, either he's going to be dragged out by his mom and or stepdad, or dragged out by the cops, or we're going to be free to go. Mm-hmm. And the, the purpose of the camera was to simply record either the peaceful solution or the violent solution. And if there was a violent solution, the camera's going to record who initiated the violence. For sure. And I think there's several valuable lessons to take from this. Among them, it's important to remain calm and be respectful and let the other parties flip out, and they're the ones that are going to look bad in the end. And then uh, also... If you call the police, they're not always going to help you. They might actually harm your position and do the opposite of what you expect them to do. I think your your ex-wife thought she could just call the police and we'll just let the men with badges handle it. And I really appreciate how your son seems to have a really good eye for arbitrary authority and, and pointing out inconsistencies. He must get it from his father. 
But uh, she said, oh, well, the police are going to come. He said, why are the police going to come? Or he said, let the police sort it out then. And she said, well, the police don't understand. And he says, well, why are you calling them to enforce this if they don't understand? I thought that was really a key moment. But, yeah, your your ex-wife called the police, and the police ended up doing the right thing and, and, and letting you guys move on your way. How did you feel as they went ahead and said, get, you know, they were pretty much like, get the heck out of here. Let's just move on. Get out of here. This is done. Take your son. He obviously doesn't want to be here. How did that make you feel after that? I bet you and your son were pretty damn happy. I've, I've never felt more content in my life. I've never felt more at ease at my, in my life. Um, I am a subscriber to the non-aggression principle, and I teach my children about what aggression is and the difference between violence and aggression. And standing up for themselves, and yeah, yes, he's learned a lot from me. But John, don't cut yourself short, brother. He's watched, uh, he's watched plenty of your videos, and and how you, uh, he he knows who you are by by uh, by far. Right on. Well, he's my new hero. I really was very impressed and inspired by the courage that he demonstrated and the maturity that he demonstrated. And I think his attitude towards it all made all the difference in making this a. Uh, a very good outcome. Absolutely. We're coming up on the end of the interview. You said you wanted to address some of the people that were calling for some nasty things on the YouTube channel. Yes, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. There's been, like I said, 98.5% positive reaction. Of course, there's always going to be people who simply disagree and peaceably disagree, and I'm okay with that. I really am. But there, are, there's always the trolls that uh, that are calling for violence against, uh, whether it's Mike's wife or her husband and her Caleb, we're coming up. We're coming up on the break, Caleb. I'm going to hold you over. I'm appalled by that. You're appalled by that. All right, no violence. Caleb stands for peace, as we can see in the video. We appreciate everything you're doing, Caleb. Peace. What was that ruckus? You're listening to the Rise Up Radio Show. I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Rise Up Radio with John Bush. Welcome back to the show, John Bush, Antonio Beatler. Just chatted with Caleb Leverett. He wanted me to make it clear that uh, he does not condone some of the stuff that people are calling for on the YouTube uh, video. Uh, people are calling for violence to be brought upon his ex-wife. And Caleb is a peaceful man who subscribes to the non-aggression principle and wanted to let listeners of the show know that he rejects any of the calls for violence and thinks it's nothing but a bunch of trolling haters. So uh, we just wanted to let that be known. And uh, again, man, if you guys could check out this video... Uh, I don't know what you could search. If you're on Facebook, you could check out Caleb Leverett. I'll pull up the title of the video. but Just put it on the Rise Up Radio Facebook page. I'll put it on the Rise Up Radio Facebook page. I'll also add it to the show notes at riseupradio.com whenever we post the video. But a uh, 14-year-old girl, or sorry, 14-year-old stands up for his rights. Cops say he's free to go with his dad instead of mom. It's got like 50,000 views. It's inspirational. It's a very positive, positive video, and I'm very happy. For Caleb, on to some bad news. <laughs> um, well, I don't know if this is good or bad news. <laughs> Rosemary Lemberg, the DA, was arrested and charged with DWI. She plead out and ends up having 45 days in jail or something. People suspect that there was a little bit more to the story, and some evidence has recently come to light uh, on this website like Fire Rosie or whatever. What's the site? <laughs> Rosie, remove Rosemary Lemberg, I believe it is. Remove Rosemary Lemberg. So, Beeler, tell us, uh, tell us what you suspect uh, was behind the the forty five day. Right? Wasn't there some? She yeah. had, maybe had some more felony charges. What was that all about? Yeah. So she she just went in and she immediately pled guilty. They fast tracked everything. She went to uh, straight to jail. It was a forty five day sentence, which she ended up serving less than half of. Um, 
and uh, and a lot of people were like, "Good for her, you know, she she did the right thing. This is the the this is how you should deal with this stuff. No excuses." But a lot of us were like, "Whoa, like, why would she do this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is she covering up? What are they trying to prevent?" And there you know, there are reports that she spit at cops in the jail. Um, she certainly which you're familiar her. with that being charged and accused of that. That that, that is a felony, <laughs> and uh, it does result in two to ten years. So forty five days is definitely better than that. Um, and now um, it's been found out that she also hit another car when she was driving drunk. She swipe swipe uh, sideswiped a car uh, going the other way, and uh, these uh, remove Rosemary Lemberg uh, people. Um, a, a attorney called uh, Carrie O'Brien, I believe. Um, has uncovered that um, that it did indeed happen. There's proof through the evidence on her car, a 911 call uh, from the person who was hit to include the license plate number that matches Rosemary Lemberg's car, um, videos uh, of the police acknowledging that the damage matches it, and even uh, one of a video of her at the jail where she's claiming that I didn't have a collision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, why, why, why are you bringing that up? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this great website. Uh, it's on uh, salongross.com, S-O-L-O-N-G-R-O-S-E. You could just Google hit and run Rosie uh, if you're interested here in Austin. It's got the different clues that are lined out, and it even shows the officers looking and, and noting that there's damage on the vehicle. So it sounds like there was multiple felonies that could have been involved. Uh, I suspect hit and run is a felony. While intoxicated, I'm sure. So there's that, there's the spitting, and so it's no wonder that she tried to do some plea out, and it's just another example of a, a bureaucrat trying to exercise authority. It looks like w- what pains me, and what's always pained me about the city of Austin, is it's all this Democrat Party establishment crap, and so they're like, we, well, all the Democrats, we have to unite behind District Attorney Democrat Rosemary Lemberg because if she gets ousted, then Rick Perry Republican will put in a Republican. So even though she's an unethical swine, we have to side with her because our party is in danger. What do you think about that, Beeler? Yeah, and and the fact that this is such an overwhelmingly Democratic uh, city or county makes the argument even more absurd. So yeah, maybe Perry does appoint a Republican for two or three years, and then it goes right back to the Democratic Party. Like they they can't uh, put their values mm-hmm. and ethics. Um, above a two to three year gap in one political yeah. position, they have no values or ethics. Looks like the statesman uh, is reporting on Monday, June tenth. That was my birthday. Beeler's birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, Beeler! Stephen Sheftall's birthday was today. I don't know if he listens to the Rise Up Show. He should listen to the Rise Up Show. Uh, Perry vows to veto a veto of state funding unless Lemberg resigns. He moves to seek force. He moves to force Lemberg out after drunken driving conviction. There's this public integrity unit. I guess it's uh, funded by the state. So here's Rick Perry uh, saying he's going to defund it unless Lemberg moves out. She's the one that oversees it and runs it. This is just another example of you can't rely on bureaucrats and those involved with the system to be the watchdog of the system. It's it's the classic fallacy that there's a separation of powers between the executive, legislative, and judicial branches, which exist at city government, state government, county government, as well as the federal government. 
And uh, we, we, we saw this with the judicial system versus the executive system with the Byron Carter incident. We see this with public integrity units, and we see this with the citizen review panel and the internal affairs. You can't rely on an institution to check its own members because they're all part of the monopoly state. They're just different branches, different uh, octopus tentacles. That's why we're trying to encourage people to take justice into their own hands in the form of delegitimizing the state and going and ostracizing and uh, fighting them in the court of public opinion. And in my opinion, even though I don't condone violence, I would like to see this pave the way to where one day people can use force in defense of their lives, their property, and their families, and they won't end up with, with felony charges. That's where I see a lot of this stuff going. I mean, I hate to put it that way, but that's the reality of the matter. We can't just allow people to be killed by cops while everyone sits by just because they have a badge. They should be treated like everyone else. If it's a private criminal, you can bet your bottom dollar I'll be quick to defend myself, uh, even if it means lethal force. But if it's a police officer, that question is in the back of your mind. like, oh, wow, am I going to be seen as the aggressor here? Or is the DA going to file ch felony charges against me for just merely defending myself? We need to, to delegitimize that. Beeler, when did you start realizing that, that cops, just because they have badges, doesn't mean that they're legitimate arbiters? Because I know you had a stint. We all had a stint, uh, you know, as statists and trapped in that mentality. Were you starting to feel that way before the, the January 31st thing, or was it the January 31st thing that really just brought it all home? Well, the the, Jan the New Year's Day, January 1st thing, did bring it, uh, bring it home to a, a large degree. I had become very skeptical of government. I acknowledge that government does a lot of harm. But even after that, I still wanted to believe there's good cops out there. I know that they're going to come out. They're going to come to my defense. They're going to, like, expose Aborski. They're going to, mm -hmm. like, become whistleblowers. And it never happened. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why you, you like to call cops cowards because none of them are willing to stand up. Don't take that back. It's the ones that do stand up end up getting fired, and it's easy to see which ones are good cops, which are why there's so few good cops and why they all just – Stand up for the thin blue line. It's really a thick blue line that causes a lot of problems. So how is the Peaceful Streets Project working to uh, circumvent that, to undermine the thin blue line and the idea that cops are legitimate and we just need to let them do their thing to keep us safe? I, I think it's all about educating the people, letting people know what these cops are doing on a day-to-day -day basis, how they destroy lives, how mm -hmm. they lie for a living, how they commit crimes for a living. And hopefully will start to influence juries. People go into jury rooms and they hear testimony from a cop and they're like, oh, that cop's probably lying. Mm. Like, I want to see evidence. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to side with the cop. Just, you know, I'm not going to side with the state just because there's a guy with a uniform on saying that this black kid, you know, was a thug. Mm. You know, and, uh, and I think that that's going to be really powerful when people start standing up for each other in the courtroom and in the streets and it becomes a refrain that, wait a second, cops aren't heroes. Cops mm -hmm. are cowards. Cops break the law. Cops are willing to shoot you because they're scared. Mm -hmm. Then I think that society will change, and, and then we don't have to wait on the court system to try to save us. Yeah, and we could at least create an environment where the cops are on equal footing as everyone else. Like, they're not instantly given the benefit of the doubt because it's some hero position. And we see time and time again that the, we shouldn't trust cops. Like this story I just found here, uh, cops plead guilty to helping plant drugs on women sexually harassed by a judge. The judge uh, tried to get her to sleep with him and, and, and saying that he'll do legal favors and side with her. She filed a complaint, and instead of being like, yeah, well, she got me, I'm a, I'm a jerk, and maybe I should step down, he sent sheriffs to her house to plant meth on her. 
And then, like, so thankfully that all got broken up, I guess, before a trial came about. But in that trial situation, you know, the jurors would be like, oh, yeah, well, she must be a drug user. The police aren't going to lie or plant meth on someone. And then we hear uh, the Carter family is upset that the the defense of the city was painting the son out to be a thug, a gang member. He didn't graduate college. They were bringing up all the time. He's Twenty years old. He didn't go. Or he didn't graduate high school. He okay. didn't go to college. They were saying, and like that's a like that matters in the fact that he was killed. You know. And then the media threw out like you know uh, when he was shot, he had a bunch of money in his lap. I found out yesterday he had fifteen dollars. <laughs> There's the media again. Part it's the fourth. The fourth branch, along with the other three branches. We're coming up on the end of the show. I guess the moral of the story is don't trust the police. Do everything you can to undermine their legitimacy. Form tight bonds within the community and stand up for one another. That's what we're doing with the Peaceful Streets Project. Billy, run throughout the website? PeacefulStreets.com.